0: Welcome back to the Camera Books Podcast. It's Pete Banap. And on this podcast, I interviewed Ashley Philbin. Ashley is a former Army Ordnance Officer. She completed EOD company command before she got out of the military. She transitioned four years ago. First of all, she came to the Camera Books Conference and almost had a perfect conference, had 13 interviews, and 12 of the 13, the companies that she interviewed with pursued her. So super, super successful lady. Um when she transitioned out four years ago, she went to MCOR, which is a veteran-owned facility services company. Their CEO is Tony Guzzi, West Point Grad, and friend of Cameron Brooks and friend of the military, obviously. And so, you know, we get into some great topics. First of all, she explains who MCOR is and what they do. Um, and then we start getting into what her you know, what she did. I said she did. What she does, she's been promoted, but what she did when she first started at MCOR, and really she made a comment that led us down the path of, you know, talking about that first year and the challenges of that first year and some of the things she did to fight through to get to where she is now. She's since been promoted in the organization. Um, we she has a, The other thing we spent some time talking about, she has a great Former JMO network that she interacts with. Her boss is a former Marine Corps officer. Um, you know, we got into conversation where she, she and I, or she met a mutual friend of mine that we helped transition, who works in a completely different part of the country at MCOR, and you know how there's an immediate bond and immediate trust factor that goes on um, in just meeting someone that you served with, and so it kind of got into that as well. So she's an extremely articulate lady, tons and loads of common sense, and share some great ideas and perspectives during the conversation. So I think you're going to enjoy hearing her and le- learning from her experience. Um, if you want to know more about Cameron Brooks, you can find that There's a lot of places you can find out about us. You can go to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. We've got a ton of open source material that you can gather to learn more about what's out there, learn more about the transition, learn more about companies within corporate America, um, we also publish a book, PCS to Corporate America. It's in its fourth edition, so that means it's been updated from its original text three different times. It's currently co authored by Roger Cameron, the, really the, fa- the founder of Cameron Brooks, but really the founder of the, the idea of helping JMOs transition to corporate America. It's also co authored by Chuck Alvarez, who is our president and CEO and Joel Junker, Vice President, who leads the recruiting effort here at Cameron So lots of great resources and material there. Um, Easy to find if you're interested. So, okay, so let's get on to the podcast. And Ashley, so without further ado, here we go. Here's Ashley. All right, Ashley, thanks so much for joining our podcast today. Welcome.
1: Of course, thanks for having me.
0: All right. I was really excited to chat with you. You've been you've been in the business world now for four years, and you've had a couple of promotions. We've seen you at a. I know I remember chatting with you at a Camerer Brooks conference when you were in the position of hiring and looking for people to bring into your organization. So I think your uh, experience is going to be fantastic. Thanks. Uh, thanks again.
1: Of course.
0: All right. So let's start here. Maybe just share with us. You knew you got out of the military after army company command eod company command so maybe just share with us a little bit about your military background so we can get some perspective on kind of who you are and where you came from in the military
1: yeah sure absolutely so uh i I transitioned out of the military a little later than uh some people uh do i had a little over nine years in the army when i decided that i wanted to make the transition out for me i needed to make the transition before i hit the 10-year mark And so that was a good opportunity. I got to get company command in. But I joined right out of college after doing ROTC. And I went uh, and became an ordnance officer. And I actually got to go to an ammunition company and be a second lieutenant and a platoon leader. And then, uh, you know, made the normal progression, had a couple of deployments in there. Because when I joined, it was right after September 11th, so in 2005. So I've got, I did a couple of deployments to Iraq. came back, did a little bit of battalion staff time, and then I decided to make the transition from a regular ordnance officer into the explosive ordnance disposal field. Uh, From there, Mm -hmm. I was able to secure a company command position out of Fort Stewart, Georgia, Mm -hmm. um, where I was able to take the company over to Afghanistan, um, do another deployment, and from there, I had made the decision that it was time for me to transition out of the military um and they decided to work with cameron brooks me with that
0: sometimes making that decision is easy that decision to transition out of the military army in this case and go to do something else whether that be you know stay in the industry of government or government contracting or do something completely different like corporate america i think you'll agree and Mm -hmm. You know, we'll get into that a little bit. That you know, where you're at now at MCor, you know, functionally, certainly industry is different. And so, how did you make that? How did you finally, you know, make that decision? Okay, I'm committed to this path. Because, you know, I think sometimes people struggle to get to a place where, okay, I'm fully committed to transitioning out of the military in into this other industry of corporate America. How did? Do you remember? How did you get there?
1: Yeah, sure. So I am no different than anyone else. I definitely struggled with the idea of whether or not to transition out, especially since I was so close to kind of that halfway mark to retirement. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, transitioning into corporate America was just interesting. Um, It was completely different than what you kind of do in the military, but yet similar. It's just now you're not doing – it's a not – a nonprofit basically, and now you're going to work for a profit organization. And for me, I mm-hmm. I wanted to, if I would have wanted to go to a government contract role, I would have just stayed in the military. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to transition into something completely different from the military and have a new and interesting challenge that would present itself to me. And after talking with yourself and um, a couple of other people that had gone through the Cameron Brooks process and what they were mm-hmm. doing. With their lives, it made that made it a lot easier for me uh, to make that decision. And once I made that decision, uh, I committed to it. The same as many people who make the decision to join the military, you commit to Mm -hmm. the decision that you've made, and there's really no looking back. I've always kind of tried to, once I make that decision, I move forward with it. Because if you look back, you can always second guess yourself.
0: Of course. Well, you did. I remember you definitely committed to it. You were all in. As a matter of fact. You came to the career conference, and this is, you know, I'll kind of toot your horn here a little bit for you. You came to the career conference, you had 13 interviews, and 12 of those interviews, you know, companies were interested and wanted to pursue you. So you obviously came, You obviously your background is super strong. You came to the conference ready to interview and ready to connect your background and, and almost had a perfect conference, which is pretty darn hard to do. So right. um, kudos, you know. Now, again, I'm sure in in all of your experience, as far, as no one said, "Hey, how many yeses you get at Cambridge Conference?" But it is pretty darn <laughs> impressive that you uh, that you had such a great conference. And so you ultimately chose MCor, and you had choices, right? That you that that's one of the beautiful things about I think about our program is it ultimately gives you choices in order to make the best decision for you and what you're trying to do professionally. Can you tell us? you know this is kind of a two-part thing here and I'm not sure which one you lead with but one who's Mcore, and why did you choose them over every other thing you could have done
1: yeah so I I think I'll start with why I chose mcore and then kind of get into what they do um, I chose mcore because they made it very comfortable uh, throughout the entire process so they were one of my very first interviews that I had um, if there was a little icing on the cake, is that they were looking for someone to work in Phoenix, and I was looking to get to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, but that wasn't the deciding factor. Uh, there's a lot of prior military uh, that worked for MCor all the way up to Tony Guzzi, who's the CEO and president of MCor, who was a West Point graduate. Um, mm-hmm. My that my boss who interviewed me specifically and offered me the position was a former Marine, um, and a lot of individuals had gone through the Cameron Brooks process as well, so they knew exactly what I was going through and made it very easy um, and comfortable to come in and go through uh, not only the interview process, knowing um, that it's a stressful situation, that most people don't get the opportunity to go through that many interviews in a two-day period, uh, but Mm -hmm. also the follow-on interviews, they gave a lot of information about the company, but I also knew that they had my interests, um, my best interests in mind as well. Being that so many of them had gone through the same process, I knew that it's a it was going to be a hard transition, especially that first year, um, and that they would be there to help and guide me throughout the process. Um,
0: what do then, you, What do you think? Oh no, I'm sorry. Go I'm sorry. I actually want to ask this question, but go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I I was just <laughs> No, that's fine. I was just gonna go into who MCor was.
0: <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I get I get excited. Like you say something, I'm like, ooh, I wanna I wanna really <laughs> dig into that. Sorry. You're right. I did that's ask okay. a keyboard question. Please go right ahead.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh so MCOR, that was the other reason, one of the second reasons that I really wanted to work for MCor is it's such a dynamic company. Um, you know, in their name, it's electrical, mechanical, and construction, uh, and that's what they do. But that's not the only thing that they do. Um, being a Fortune 500 company, they kind of delve into everything in regards to a building, as well as industrial services down on the coast. And so, looking at what I came from in the military, with an EOD background, um, one of my one of the things I really like to focus on is problem solving. And in the facilities maintenance world that's pretty much what you're doing all day every day and it's not the same problem every single day and you get to still have that customer uh, service experience um, where it's not always something that's thankful Um, you're not going to get thanked every day for it but you get to Mm -hmm. leave work every day at least knowing that you've accomplished something that helps somebody out in the background Mm so I went to the portion of MCOR that focuses on facility services, where we manage the contracts uh, for customers, and it can either be on a smaller scale where we only manage like their HVAC portfolio, or we where we manage their entire entire portfolio and help manage their facilities maintenance programs for them.
0: Tell, tell us a little bit. So maybe this is obvious, but help help people help me help people understand why does facilities maintenance even exist what what why do companies come to mcor saying we need your help
1: uh so first uh one of the main reasons is that we've got experts that we can rely on so if you think about retail or banks or schools um their main focus isn't facilities and making sure that their doors are functioning, that their HVACs are running, that their electrical is up to date. Mm-hmm. Their main focus is to sell the product that they have or to mm-hmm. you know, bring people in to make investments or to teach their students. So it is more cost effective most times for them to outsource mm-hmm. it to a company who is best in class at what they do rather than hire internally and build a huge infrastructure for somebody to manage that when they can outsource it to MCOR, who can utilize two or three people to do that for them.
0: It's almost like, and I know we spend, we we recommend and talk about this book a fair amount, uh, Jim Collins, Good to Great, when he talks about the hedgehog Mm -hmm. concept, the idea is You know, these, you know, whether, like you said, retailer, banks or schools, they have their hedgehog concept. They have what they do and how they serve customers or educate students or whatever it might be. And so, you know, they could do facilities maintenance. They just wouldn't do it as well, and it would be more expensive. So why not, as you said, I love the way you said that, best in class. Why not get best in class service at a more, you know, get more value of it because you're going to actually spend less money and get a better product. It just makes a ton of sense.
1: Right. Absolutely. It's kind of similar to, you know, you might go to like a Charles Schwab to have somebody invest your money for that for you because they know what they're doing better than you do.
0: Great point. Like if I I have a full-time job helping military officers transition and so I could also try to manage my money. And, you know, I guess if I burned the midnight oil and stayed up till midnight and read a bunch of books (laughs) and – yeah. And I do do a little bit of that just because I think it's fun, but right, I mean, I, I can get someone who, that's all they do all day, every day, and, right. and probably do a better job. Okay, that's great. I love that analogy. So the the the, the way I interrupted you earlier, sorry, the reason I interrupted you is because okay. you said something I thought was very interesting, because it tends to be, it tends to come up a lot, and so let me, this would be a long-winded question. It, it, it's about that first year, and so what we've seen when military officers leave their, their current industry, the industry of government, national defense, fight and win our nation's wars, the world of appropriation, where profit, you know, defense is the profitability of the industry that you, you came from, right? And so going into an industry where, you know, the customer comes first, right, because they deliver revenue to the organization where it's all about eliminating costs from a system or not reducing costs from a system in order to positively affect profitability it's just a completely different industry and so what we have found is military officers do an exceptional job taking that intrinsic leadership experience and applying it to business but that first year is hard because it's like new city new company new industry new people new function new focus, new everything. And, and when everything's new, the learning curve tends to be steep. Insurmountable? Absolutely not. Steep? Yeah, for sure. Because everything's new. And so that right. first year, people have to really, you know, after they've been recruited, after your boss, Drew, you know, hey, you know, you know, Drew's a good guy, right? He brought you into the organization. You're feeling good. But then he had to go to back to work and you had to go to work. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden it's like, crap, everything's new. And I've got to literally fight through figuring this thing out. Tell us more, if you could, tell us more about that first year and how you fought through figuring everything out.
1: (laughs) So I think it is definitely challenging, um, and you kind of have to bring yourself back in your memory to when you were a new second lieutenant or whatever rank you hold, whatever branch service you're in, when you're a brand new lieutenant and you, it's, you're you in the same position, you don't know anything, you've mm-hmm. graduated college and you have a little bit of knowledge about everything. And um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so bringing yourself back to that point is a little bit difficult, um, but the biggest thing for me was just kind of sitting back and watching everybody, because you're right, I had someone help me, I had them train me, but then they had to go back and do their job as well. And so I had to, for me, I went back to where I was as a second lieutenant to say, okay, I know there's people here who have been doing this a lot longer than me, so let me sit back and watch them and see what they're doing. Um, I think within the first two weeks, and I joke around with Drew about this because (laughs) Um, I came to work, and I was ready to go, and I made a decision to make a change to um, something what I consider to be a very small change, and it ended up spiraling out of control, and the customer found out about it, and they weren't happy about it, so we had to go back through and change it again, and so I always joke around with Drew, and I share that story when I come to Cameron Brooks conferences, because I was upset about it, and Drew had to uh, pull me aside, and he's like, hey, this is why we hired you though. You come in, you're not afraid to make decisions, he's like, are they always Mm -hmm. the right decisions? No, but he's like, you learn from it, but you action, you took action on something. Uh, So knowing that these companies come to Cameron Brooks to hire junior military officers because we can come in with that leadership and we will make a decision definitely helped me get through that first year to know, okay, I'm I'm kind of back in my second lieutenant phase. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but as long as I don't make the same mistake over and over again, I'm going to be okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I utilized that throughout my first year um, and just kind of after the first couple of weeks of trying to be like that hard charger and you want to come in and you want to prove yourself of who you are and what you Mm can do. I was, I took a step back and I was like, okay, wait a minute. I got to go back. I don't know everything. Let me ask a bunch of questions. Let me figure out where do I fit into this, yet at the same time being able to assert myself and give some information while learning at the same time. Because leading, leading my employees that I had, I knew I could do that. That wasn't the hard part for me because I had been doing that for nine years, leading people, sure. it was coming in,
0: trying to figure everything out all over again it's good it's really insightful i think when people hear that they're going to they're, the, the thing that they'll extrapolate is you can cut the, the whole reason that the jmo is so attractive to corporate america and placing you into these key leadership roles is because you just have that fire and that leadership experience R- really helpful so maybe maybe next can you share with us you so you came in at you're I think your title was supervisor. So correct me if I'm off base on that one. But can you share with? Okay, what did you do? You came from the army, former EOD company commander. You know, you had you you know you had a big job in the army, and then you came to MCor. What did, what was your first job like? What did you do? What were your daily responsibilities? You know, who were you leading? What were they responsible for? Kind of give us give us a picture there.
1: Yeah. So I came in uh, to MCor as a supervisor. You're correct. And so I. Was able to receive a, um, a small group of employees. So Mcore likes to stick to the, you know, the normal uh, five to seven is kind of in your span of control of employees that you have enough time to appropriately manage and supervise. So that's what I came into it was a small team initially uh, of five, and we, um, I supervised uh, one of our largest accounts at uh, out in Phoenix, which is the United States Postal Service. So I was mm-hmm. responsible for. Uh, day-to-day operations of the account. Um so all the work orders that would come in if there were any escalations from the customer. Uh MCOR is a little unique in the fact that we kind of have two customers. I always like I kind of put it that way. We have our customer who's you know paying the bills
0: um, that we're
1: providing services for, but then we also have a pool of service providers. And although they're performing services um for MCOR uh without mm-hmm. those service providers, we can't perform services for the customer. So we kind of have a dual hat. So any escalations that would come from the customer as well as from the service providers in regards to pay issues or work not getting completed on time, um, I kind of handled all of those. And then my team was responsible for managing what we call work orders. Um, So they would have... um, a region that they're responsible for and they managed those work orders on a day-to-day basis making sure that they were getting completed out on time um they were like the initial face to the customer and then i would handle any escalations that would come along
0: gotcha what do you think the hardest part of that first job was what was the yeah that's it what was the hardest part about the job
1: um i I think the hardest part for me was kind of figuring out the best way to manage um, my time because um, you can it's very easily in I think in the role that we're in to get down a rabbit hole and try and get yourself you're trying to learn everything at the same time and so i wanted to put myself out there but as soon as you put yourself out there to everybody that's a customer service provider they all immediately mm-hmm. come to you and then that leaves mm-hmm. you with trying to do more time management to focus on what you're supposed to be doing where mm-hmm. some of the things that you're handling could really be handled at the team level um so really learning to put that once when, when you're trying to learn the way i learn is to is to do things, but it's a slippery slope to get into that position where you're doing the job of your employees, because then everybody wants to continue to come to you right. for any issues that arise rather than going to your team. And so that was a hard lesson for me because that's the way I learned. But then mm-hmm. I was constantly inundated every day with um, things that my team should have been handling, which led me to. Um, not being able to get potentially not be able to get done what I needed to do for my team or for my boss or on a higher level.
0: Got it. How did you how did you ultimately resolve that? You were you were hitting on that earlier. Maybe you can just put a finer point on that for us. How did you finally get there?
1: Uh, it you know a lot of military officers and a lot of officers coming through Cameron Brooks are typically the Type A personality, and they want, which leads to sometimes having um, what some would consider control issues. Um, (laughs) And so just letting go of that control and knowing that your team can solve the problems without you being there to do it uh, really is what I had to do was step back out of myself and allow myself to not have that control. And it's a little uncomfortable at first for anyone who kind of has the same personality uh, to not know everything that's going on and just letting Mm -hmm. your team Mm -hmm. have that same control. And it's the same thing as when you're a company commander. There's no way that you can do everything and that's why you have lieutenants um, as platoon leaders there to assist you. So you've gotta go back to the fundamentals of knowing that if everything's a priority for you, then nothing's a priority. And really falling back into that and relinquishing that control and realizing and then doing like an, an, a a self assessment of okay I let my team handle this and everything got done that needed to get done today and then once you do mm-hmm. that it's a good feeling to know that that mm-hmm. um, that your program is working for yourself.
0: That's great. Ah, uh, that's really helpful. Um, I do want to talk about the difference between a supervisor and an account account manager. Yeah, let's do that next. So so you're in the account manager role. So that's that's. A promotion. What's the difference? Uh,
1: so the account manager is no longer responsible for the day-to-day operations. They're more responsible for the strategic operations of the account. So managing the contracts uh, with the customer, um, any changes to the contracts that want that need to happen, or uh, if there's a, a request for proposal, or if it needs to be extended, the account manager will handle uh, that those issues, uh, along with continuing to uh, grow the customer, almost like an inside sales role mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where we already have the customer. So now um, what can we do to continue to grow and make this account even more profitable than what it is? Uh, and that's really the function of the account manager, growing that relationship so that we can continue and, and grow the accounts so for the United States Postal Service uh, for us on the land and snow side, um, that was getting more sites because the postal service for MCOR is unique in the fact that, um, being government, they have multiple contracts. Um, so we mm-hmm. as MCOR are always trying to get, um, perform service well enough so that we can show that we can take on more, um, sure, more of their districts that they have.
0: Now, are you, as the account manager, does the account manager in the way that y'all set up, are you all, are you, are you then managing the supervisors who are managing the team? Like when you were a supervisor, did you report to the account manager?
1: No. um, So they don't have it set up that way um, for every account. Mm -hmm. There are a few accounts in which they started to go towards that as I was leaving the supervisor role uh, for me, I as the account manager, I didn't have any direct reports. Uh, the supervisor reported up to um, the director of the Mcore Customer Solutions Center, um, and then for me, I still reported up through the vice president of account management. So they had it separated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always been some some sort of conversation, maybe that it needs to go that route where the supervisor reports to the account manager, um, but we haven't fully.
0: Um, Engaged that yet sure, yeah, so you were you were really you know you went into a true program and project role where you didn't you weren't messing with the team anymore now you're you, you, again you're just managing the program and the project
1: right, and I think the what drew Williams, who's my boss, always said was that although I didn't have any direct reports, you still have influential leadership over the sure. team. I had come in um, with the account was changing a little bit and growing it. And so although the team didn't report to me any longer and the new supervisor of the account didn't report to me, I still, based off of my historical knowledge, uh, we worked really well together. Um, so there wasn't right. really a, you, even though you don't work for me, I'm, because you don't work for me, I'm not gonna do this. It was a really right. good team relationship that we had built. Um, and we all had the final goal of we want to make this account successful and continue it um, and continue to make it successful. Yeah,
0: that's good. Okay. Let me, um, let me, have you received, so I'm going to catch off guard here potentially a little bit. Have you received any good advice lately that you feel like you'd like to share or perhaps is, have you given any good advice to someone who was really needing some help or looking for something that uh, you think would be beneficial
1: um, yeah, so I actually interestingly enough, um I you know in transitioning the my account that I had over to um a new account manager, she was asking me how you know how can she get people to listen to her because she feels like she's new. And that people are like, other people are going to overshadow her. And I told her that she, you know, the biggest thing is confidence. Um, you can say, if you, <laughs> you might not be 100% sure of an answer, but if you say it confidently, people are mm-hmm. going to understand um, and take that, excuse me, and take that for what it is and keep pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people who, due to your age or, whatever might not want to listen to what you have to say but if you keep pushing and you know that it's right somebody eventually is going to listen to you and you can't let other people stop you from the only person who can stop you from living your full potential is you so as long as you just keep pushing and putting out who you are somebody's going to see it
0: I, um, I've had some, a couple of bosses in the past and the functions that I've done um, at the company I worked at prior to um, Cameron Brooks, I was at Johnson & Johnson, and I just remember feeling that way. The way you described it is how I really felt. I was, I was in an account management, field-based account management-oriented role, and when my boss wanted to come and spend a few days with me and watch me in action with my customers, it never made me nervous. It didn't make, I was like, oh gosh, my boss is coming to, you know, evaluate (laughs) me because I was confident in, I had a plan. I was executing my plan and whether or not my boss was there, I had my plan. And boy, that helped me psychologically, like not worry about anything other than taking care of the customer, taking care of my plan and what I was supposed to be doing that day or that week or whatever. And uh, I think your advice is so good. Like have some confidence. You, you have the ability, you, you're a leader, right? Go with what you've got. And that's the whole reason that companies come to JMOs to begin with. So fantastic. Exactly. I know I didn't set you up for that one, so that was off the cuff, but I really appreciate <laughs> that's that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Now, one more, one more topic, and then we'll uh, kind of land the plane here. Um, you mentioned interacting with other military officers. Of course, MCOR is um, – is run by Tony Guzzi, you know, former JMO, military academy grad. And, but there's, there's grads at all levels. I know we've placed a fair amount of people at M USM, and where you're at and other divisions of MCOR. So lots of military, very military friendly organization. How do you see that? I'm not sure I'm, I want to ask this question. Well, I don't have it quite formulated in my brain, but how do you see that manifest itself, you know, in day-to-day life, you know, in in the corporate, sh- eh, And Maybe at a corporate level and your kind of day-to-day one-on-one interaction, do you you ever see any of that interaction, former military folks coming together and kind of – I'm not necessarily living the glory days. That's definitely not what I'm asking. (laughs) But do you ever see kind of the the former military components manifest itself in day-to-day life um, at MCOR?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think that's one of the main reasons that MCOR – was appealing to me was because i knew that we all there were so many people there that shared that commonality you know i think it's less than one percent of the population serves in the military and so when you come when you're leaving what you the only thing you've known since you've graduated college
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's terrifying and so you have Mm -hmm. that support group that you can utilize at your company. to not only do they know what you're going through, but you can also utilize that. So, you know, you can use that to relive, like, the what, if you want to consider it, the glory days. And it brings you mm-hmm. guys all together so that you have something that you can share. And, you know, when uh, John Sleschek, I know he went through Cameron Brooks, um, mm-hmm. he's out at VOX. And so, as soon as we met each other, I was like, hey, Cameron Brooks, he's like, yeah, you too. And so, you can share that information. It's a very easy segue to meet other people mm-hmm. within the organization um, that are. I mean, M Corps so spread out, right? We have offices across the, you know, the entire United States, and so meeting somebody who has served that instantaneously, you know, it's a brotherhood, um, and it's, so you can share that like together this with each other. like bond of trust.
0: Yeah, that's trust. right. You know, you, you you mentioned John. Of course, I know John and. And, hey, you know, military care, Brooks, yes, yeah, same here. And all of a sudden, it's like there's this, like, foundation of, you know, respect and trust. I You know, we yep. we have this sh- shared experience that, frankly, was difficult, at least at times. Not all the time, obviously, but um, it's almost this trust. I, you know, I haven't really talked about that much with people, but it is a really interesting perspective. Like you mentioned, John, which you, you guys aren't even in the same city. You didn't even know each other in the military, but it's like, <laughs> bam, immediately connected. That's yes, fantastic.
1: absolutely. Yeah. And it, it really. helps to kind of, you know, blow off some of that steam that you have um because mm-hmm. corporate America compared to the military are two totally different foundations um and how you can kind of release some of um maybe some of your frustrations that you have from the day to day or um just questions that you might have of you know, interacting with employees or how did you, hey, I ran into this issue. You. you, know, have you seen this in the past? How did you handle it? And somebody who maybe has doesn't have that same military background as you wouldn't kind of understand why you're so frustrated with this or um, maybe wouldn't be able to share that same commonality of, oh, yeah, I've totally been there. I understand where you're coming from. Here's what I did. And it's not to say mm-hmm. that those individuals don't offer so much to the organization uh, and you can absolutely learn a lot from them. It's just nice sometimes to talk to somebody who's been through the same history that you have been through. That's
0: great. All right, Ashley. Well, I, uh, that's helpful. That, I, I know that people, you know, based on the feedback that I get on this podcast, I know that people are going to draw from your experiences and, you know, give some insight, of course, get some confidence in terms of, you know making a decision i'm not necessarily saying make a decision you know get out of the military hurry up i never say that to people make the best decision for you but mm-hmm. these data points will help help people decide what's right for them and uh and you, you, you fantastic job thanks for thanks for being so open and uh about your experiences really appreciate your time
1: of course thank you so much and good luck to everybody <laughs>